Golf's no different from hockey. Requires talent, self-discipline. Golf requires goofy pants and a fat ass. You should talk to my neighbor, the accountant, probably a great golfer, huge ass. How do you measure yourself with other golfers? By height. It's a very, very special honor. I'm Paula Creamer, and you're listening. Well, we're waiting. Hi, this is Martin Cove, a.k.a. John Kreese from Cobra Kai. And you're listening to Quiet, Please. Let the word go out from here across the land. Let Daddy Noonan uh, approve. Hiya, boys. Nice day for golf, eh? Quiet, please. Oh, you got secrets, eh? Hey, this is Shooter McGavin. You're listening to the... Hey, you guys. Hey, we're trying to have a podcast over here. <laughs> the Genesis scoring tent was the equivalent of a Taco Bell drive through on a Saturday night. People were in. People were out. And the result was probably still the same. It was the medical fiasco of the tour. I can say that because flu has come to North. (laughs) I don't know what I'm trying to say, guys. I'm tired. You found Golf Talk Live. You found Brendan Elliott, Little Linkster's noted golf author. And Mr. Andy Hydorn with no camera on. uh, Probably trying to save his internet. But he is from Q Mixers. I'm Alan Depew. And, Brendan, I'm going to jump right to it and just say, what the hell was in the water at the Genesis Tiger? Jordan Spieth allegedly had to run out of the scoring tent due to a, um, shall we say, a personal issue. So, <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll speak on Tiger, but I, I'm a little behind on the speed. I know he, he got DQ'd, but and it was a scorecard thing. But you guys can fill me in on that. But oh, the I'll, time- I'll, I'll, I'll go I'll, ahead. I'll jump in. So apparently he they they walked into the scores uh, uh, scores room. He as told. I think he was playing with Xander. Can't remember. Uh, and he stepped out of the stepped out of the the tent, the booth, the room, whatever, for literally just a moment because, as it was described, he had to go use uh, a facility and because he had exited the area and he had signed an incorrect scorecard DQ. And I'm not talking Dairy Queen. He, he had also ran off the 18th green, like, like ran up the stairs. So there's, there's something brewing there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we've all been there. Well, yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I, you know, who's taking a lot of heat with this, Andy, is In and Out Burgers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody got sick at the Genesis, and they were what's the common denominator? <laughs> Was there others besides those two? Uh, no, but that's no. enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you, we interrupted you. What were you going to say about the? Uh, Mr. Eldrick. Well, I mean, I kind of threw it out there in in our group text that uh, let me say this first. I'm a huge, huge Tiger fan, and I've always given him the benefit of the doubt through all these different comebacks, and I've never counted him out of not being able to come back. And this time, I really thought that he was looking good enough to not contend this weekend, maybe not even make the cut, but show some glimpses of what was the potential for the rest of the year. And that's still maybe there. Um, but it just seems I'm going to agree with Andy. I can't believe I'm going to say this because Andy's also a Tiger fan. But yes, enough, so, yeah. enough is enough. 
you know, and I immediately said, I'm not watching the rest of the tournament, but I did wind up watching the final round and thank God I did. Cause it was pretty good. There's, there's always good storylines with or without tiger. Um, but man, this just sucks for tiger fans and it sucks for the game too. It really does. Yeah, so there, there was, there was something in the water on December 30th, 1976, <laughs> because that's when Tiger was born and that's when LeBron James was born. And they both have that same uh-huh. like characteristic of just not wanting to ever, you know, kind of just take blame for anything. It's always something else. Um, so, December 30th, 1976. Maybe, maybe it was one of those Chinese horoscope deals. (laughs) So there is obviously social media is ruthless. We all know that there's one going around that I saw about how um, it shows him down on one knee winning the, when he won the open and it starts talking about how he allegedly finished the entire tournament on a broken leg to a guy that gets carted off because he had a bad in and out burger experience. So, you know, is it, does these comebacks 2.1, 3.0 now up to about 10.0, Brendan, does this tarnish his legacy? It's starting to, because if someone like me, that's a diehard, is starting to kind of give in to what a lot of people are have been saying for a while. Yeah, I think it it does. And it, look, there's no question in my mind the guy loves the game because it's all he knows. Like, and when the, when something's the only thing that you know, it's hard to say I can't do this anymore. It's really hard, and he might be at that point right now. Yeah, here's here's my thing though, like. I don't, it's almost like the boy that cried wolf, right? So I don't have the least bit of, of uh, doubt that he was sick and needed to drop out of the tournament. The thing that, that bothers me the most is that he shanks one on 18 and he says his back is spasming. And it's like, you know, can't you just say, yeah, I hit a shank. Like, like, does it really have to be, you know, going back to something that was out of his control, that he was having back spasms? That's the part that bothers me the most is, you know, just not being able to to pull up your big boy pants and say, yeah, I shanked it, you know, and and move on. So, because the more the more the more he brings up reasons for his poor play or a poor shot here and there. It, it starts to accumulate, and and it's it's a boy that cried wolf. So first of all, I think he hit a hell of a shot. By the way, on the recovery after the after the yeah. lateral, yeah. But you know what? You mentioned you you invoked LeBron, who I am not a fan of at all, because of just this reason. He's a whiner, and all I can see is again that picture of him like with a sprained toe being carried off by his teammates off the court because you know. Is that going to eventually be Tiger's legacy? No, but it but it's definitely part of what what is in the conversation now. Yeah, 
more than ever. More than ever. And like I was saying to you guys in the text thread, I really feel like this goes deeper and way further back. The feelings that he has back to how Earl kind of raised him as a player um, where failure was not an option. And like, I think he's just trying to come up with, well, the excuses, the excuses are, Oh, it wasn't my fault that I failed this time. It wasn't my fault that I failed this time. Here's the reason why. Instead of exactly. just being human and accepting the fact that he's human, um, but he can't do that. And it's not just because of his father. It's because we are all guilty of putting this guy up on a pedestal for so long. Huge pedestal. Yep. Yeah. And rightfully so for, I mean, when he was in his prime, there's no denying that he was probably the best golfer that's ever played the game in his prime um, from all aspects. But when he became human through all the shit that happened with the infidelity and everything else and with his wife, the drugs, drugs, I mean, that's nothing any different than could happen to you or I or any of our friends. We all go through shit like that. And he just can't see himself as being a mortal like all the rest of us and i think that's his problem so so let's go back to lebron for a minute right because i think what you're saying about tiger is super powerful right and it and it's very very relevant to the conversation about what tiger is today but lebron lebron married his high school sweetheart mm-hmm. he's never had a scandal, even anything close to a scandal in his entire life, right? He's he's by all means a great human being. And he has so many people that dislike him. And they dislike him for that reason alone. It's that whole drama, me, 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 you know, like like there's only one reason people don't like LeBron and that's it. And I'd hate for Tiger to to kind of have that baggage go along with him um, because his legacy does not deserve to have any of that as part of the the definition of who he is. Agreed. Now, B, you were not on, since we're going to keep going with the Tiger thing, you were not on last week uh, when we talked about Sunday Red. Mm-hmm. Is Obviously, he's hit that point, and we saw this years ago started getting into course architecture he wanted to follow and and that's a natural right people can design Mm -hmm. golf courses and then he got in now he's going to have the uh, the golf league and then he's going to have different different things other different business interests that distract from as you said the win at all cost mentality um what's your thoughts on sunday red i think it's cool and i i think I think it was good when when the Nike thing all kind of the dust settled and everything happened with that. And um, he could kind of spread him his wings and kind of do something a little bit different. I think in the long in the long run, that's going to be one of the best one of the best things that's ever happened to him from a business standpoint for for his brand, for him. Um, but to your point about all these other really good things and not to mention his foundation and every, all the good that he's done through his foundation. 
I mean, that's what's going to keep, that's what the legacy is about. It's not about what these great athletes who were, who become, you know, world known. It's not about what they did on the basketball court or on the football field or on the golf course. That's what raises them to that level of being known throughout the world. It's all the other stuff they do once they're in that position. Right. And if he can't be satisfied with all that stuff that he's doing outside of playing the game, it goes back to, in my mind, it goes right back to his childhood of he has to be the best on the golf course. And he, he can't let himself, no matter what injury, whatever, he can't find a way to finalize that chapter of his life. Not yet. And there's no reason for him to be ashamed that he can't do that anymore. You know? Totally agree. I totally agree. And that's the dynamic that's going on there Mm -hmm. is that, you know, he's, he's feeling like he's between a rock and a hard place when he's struggling and, and getting older and diminishing skill sets. Um, It's, he's, he's not programmed to have some humility and, and uh, deal with, with the fact that he is who he is now. And that that would make people love him even more if he had some humility. Or LeBron, so, same thing. So one of the most beloved athletes of all time, and, and it's probably more so regionally because the people in this region have seen him in action since he stopped playing, was Bobby Orr, okay? So if you ask anybody in the Boston area to tell a Bobby Orr story, they all have one because he's been out in the public. He's been generous. He's been just a great human being in addition to being one of the greatest hockey players that ever lived. But he cemented his legacy, like you said, Brendan, through all of the the legacy of all the things that he's done off the ice. and. Yeah. That's why he's one of the most beloved athletes, you know. And I'm gonna, I'm this is, you know, I'm a hockey guy also, so this is like sacrilegious what I'm gonna say. So, Bobby Orr, not unlike LeBron, LeBron is an absolute physical specimen. Do I think he's the best that ever played? No, I don't think he is. MJ is always Mm -hmm. will be in my mind. Bobby Orr was probably better than Gretzky, he might have been one of the best, he might have been the best player. Physically, the way he could take the overtake a game going end to end was was amazing. And then he bowed out because of injuries and what have you. But he, as to your point, Andy, he kept how he handled himself, you know, either during or post cemented his legacy. So they, they in a press in the presser, they asked Tiger. I got the quote here. He says when he asked about his playing time, he said, "I love competing. I love playing. I love being a part of the game of golf." He said in the pre-tournament. So he was he, he's not ready to walk away. He's not ready to quit. No. Um, I just don't know if he can compete anymore. Yeah, and it and it brings up like something that's that's interesting. So Steve Elkington is a is a champions golf club guy. Um and and I'm gonna throw Greg Norman in this conversation too. Because both of those guys had really good careers playing golf. And 
when they when they kind of got old enough a lot of their contemporaries are out there competing on the champions tour and you know kind of scraping in around for for some money here and there out there and which is great and you know elkington's out there practicing every day and i said to him the other day i'm like are you like preparing for anything or like are you gonna play in anything and he goes no i said well you're out here every day you're grinding. <laughs> every day and it's like he goes i like to practice he goes but the point i'm trying to make is i don't think that those guys can handle like not being great yeah it's it's a little too much to handle and it can, and I'm sure in their minds, it can tarnish their legacy as the golfer they once were. Right. Go out there and, and kind of not be a great player now. Yeah. The ability to get it around without question. I, I have one. Go ahead, Brendan. I, I was just going to say, it could be the simple fact that when you reach a level like that where you're playing on the biggest stage in the world and you've won and the game is such a hard game, to master and then nobody masters it. But when you, it's, it's, it's going to be hard for these guys that have reached that level to let it go that you're not always going to be able to do this because you can always play the game. You can play until you're in one foot in the grave. And these guys just probably can't be satisfied with being Al Guyberger that shot 59 and going out and playing and shooting 80. Like Jack Nicholas is a great example. He doesn't play anymore. He's said that the last couple of years. And, you know, he's had rounds of 80 or 82 or something that would drive those guys nuts. I think the, I think the, yes, the mental anguish of having been to a level and not that that's the, the physical toll catches up with them, but it's the mental anguish that they go through is, is probably the most detrimental to their abilities. Yeah. In the in the fear of of being mortal. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The golf course. Yeah. I think is really what what is the biggest hurdle for some of those guys. So I got I, I got one last tiger comment before we move on to a couple other things regarding the Genesis, and that is, look at his first rounds. His first round. His bogeys were only basically on the second on the second nine. Mm. He shot one over. He was right there. You know, he uh, I think he made four bogeys down on the on the back nine that day. So was it a conditioning? Was it a you know mental edge just not being focused when you get to the back nine? Um, or mm. was it uh, an in and out burger? Well, in all fairness, the back nine played what? What did I hear? Like two shots more difficult than the front nine throughout the week. So, I mean, there's a little bit of that, but for sure that he's running out of gas by the time he gets to the 14th or 15th hole, and he doesn't have to tell the media that. We know that. <laughs> we don't have to be told the reasoning. It's just a given, right? But why? Why does there have to be a reason, right? Like. Nothing. Why can't, why can't we just say that that you know he hit a few bad shots on a couple of tough holes mm -hmm. he was still if i if i remember correctly one over was 54th after round 1 oh i think it was even higher than that yeah he was 
Yeah, he was he was he was inside the cut line, certainly. He was inside the cut line. So, you know, again, I think I think the fact that you haven't played in a long time, you're you're not sharp, you're a little rusty, and but that's natural, right? Um I don't yeah, I just let him I when I say let him, he needs to let himself work himself back into tournament shape yeah. and not not judge himself, not be looking to bail out, you know, not be looking to blame his back, like none of that. Just like remember when he was when he was really struggling after um one of his episodes where he had the chip yips and yeah. he was so damn patient in the in the interview room after every round he'd be like i'm getting there i'm getting close like he has none of that now like none of it he's projecting that i'm here i'm here to win and if if i don't win i must have had a bad back you know yeah he he was he was perhaps the greatest, you know, I, I, I listened to, I'm a, I'm a Zig Ziglar fan, you know, God rest his soul. He, but Tiger was the greatest self-talk yeah. person I've ever seen. I'm getting there. Yeah. Hey, we're not, we're not quite there yet, but we're getting there. We're always getting better. We're always getting, he's always saying and telling everybody he's getting better, getting better, getting better. He was so patient, so patient. And Andy, yeah. with your, with your chipping woes that you've talked about, for him to come back from that and then kind of, I think it was at Val's bar, he started to show some signs and that was leading up to the win at, at the masters in 19. The, you can't, no matter who you are, I don't care if it's Tiger Woods or whoever, you can't let your mind outrace what the body's doing and, and everything. Cause you're, you're always going to lose in that case. Always. Yep. Yeah, for sure. It's a miracle that he, he got his way through that as quickly as he did. So speaking, that was another point I wanted to make. Speaking of people with their body, let's talk about Will Zalatoris. Yeah. yeah. What a, what a comeback to come back onto the stage and make an appearance, make an appearance and contend. And that lab putter's doing him a lot of good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he he's just one of those just guys I love to watch hit golf balls. I mean, and I get it, his swing is is potentially damaging to his body, but I mean, I just love to watch the kid hit shots. Well, he 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 talked about it in the one interview about how the they've changed his setup a little bit to try to minimize uh, the impact on his lower back to to work the club around him more than up and down. So, from your astute observation, gentlemen, I mean, obviously he <laughs> he was leading a or was at the top of a leaderboard in a PGA Tour event, so he obviously was doing something right. I didn't think he would get there that fast because. He was so out of out of whack at the uh, hero, big time. And then the next tournament, you could see slowly but surely he was getting in there. I understand that they've made some tweaks with the swing though, but he still looks very. Uh, it looks painful to make a swing <laughs> like he does if you're not strong in the core. And and what did he? Ha- he had fusion surgery or no? 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he did. I think so too. And yeah. he's still really young. Yeah. Um, and it's scary, man, when you see guys like him or Rory's not as young as he used to be, but these guys put have so much torque and so much like stuff that just the rest of us humans are just not capable of doing. And it's scary to see how we get as we age, how bad we get, we can get, but these guys, it's scary. Sometimes you have to really stay on top of keeping your body in peak physical condition to sustain stuff like that. Well, when you, when you like myself, when I turned to 69 degrees, that's, I mean, <laughs> clearly my core is rock solid. Clearly. Clearly. Yes. All right. Let's, no, give, let, let's give, let's give, let's go ahead, Anthony. Then I want to give due to love. I love to see that he's gotten back so early and, and I, I, I love do, that kid. I love him too. And I do yeah. fear that, that, uh, you know, his body may break down again. You know who he re reminds me of? Joaquin Neiman. That's mm -hmm. a nice segue. Just like Brendan made one, something about the masters earlier, but I'm not ready for that. Cause I wanted to give, I wanted to, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to get there in a second. <laughs> I wanted to talk about Hideki. We got to give him some props. Yeah, man. Yeah. Dude fires nine under and literally goes, I didn't play that well. <laughs> he had three turkeys. He's, I mean, somebody, he's somebody that's faded the last couple of years. It's good to see him back too. Right. I mean, he, he was on fire. He did. He had three turkeys. He had three, three second birdies three times on Sunday. And 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 didn't play well. He in his words. Where's yeah, I just think he's a little crazy when I. <laughs> oh yeah. Where's he at in the world rankings? Is he like, well, prior to this, was he like in the twenties or he's faded quite a bit, right? I I don't know, but you know, when he gets to Augusta. And he sees Joaquin Neiman at the <laughs> Masters. Well, it will be interesting to see if his uh, where his game is at. Yeah, I, I, uh, I. And why would Joaquin Neiman be there, Andy? Well, cutting, cutting edge news just happened today. Because we recording Augusta, on Wednesday, Augusta National reserves the right to invite whoever the hell. <laughs> I am so glad that that like our friend Rex Hoggard said today on uh, Sirius PJ Tour Radio that they were the adult in the room and they didn't play into the bullshit one way or the other. And they found it to be reasonable that Joaquin Neiman should play in the Masters. I mean, he won the Australian Open this year, um, which is way more relevant to me than the live tour event that he won. Yeah. Um, but so I, they're so close. I just think it's great that, that, you know, they didn't make a statement. They just did what was right. Right. Yeah. And, and shout again, out, shout again, out to Rex. He was hitting balls on the back of the range this afternoon <laughs> where I was teaching. Was he? Yeah. They're, uh, 
there's going to be a lot of live. There's a lot of live guys who are going to be playing at Augusta. Oh, yeah. a lot. Yeah. That a ton of past champions, right? Because most of them are has been. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we are 50 days. Like I said, we're 50 days from Augusta. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if Kepka comes back with a vengeance. It's going to be interesting to see if Rom his uh, his dominance again. It'll be interesting to see if Cam Smith even surfaces. Yeah, he's been awful quiet. Well, did anybody pick Rom when we did our predictions? He keeps racking up top thirties on the live tour. Eh, it's not shab- too shabby. <laughs> It's all about the team event. That's right. The crushers. The, the crushers. <laughs> the rage goats. <laughs> that's like that sells merch just like uh like Yankees jerseys. <laughs> Same thing. Similar yet different. Yeah. There's, there's live stuff on Timo or Temu. <laughs> Temu. So the other big news today, literally just hitting, and I told you I had uh, some interesting additional information. There is a son of a famous athlete who will be teeing it up in, I don't even, is what's the name of the tournament? No, it's, it used to be the Honda. Um, um, Cognizant. Cognizant? So yeah, something like that. Cognizant or something like that. Anyway, uh, teeing it up. Cognizant Classic. And it's not Charlie Woods. Although he'll be there. Ooh. Didn't know this, did you? No. Austin Lemieux, son of Mario. Wow. Really? Who, by the way, my son played hockey against. He was a hell of a hockey player also. Austin Lemieux fired a little 66 today. Nice. He will be uh, at the uh, Monday qualifier. But we did. I did mention Charlie Woods. It was announced today. Charlie Woods is going to challenge his game at another level by trying to tee it up in the Monday qualifier or the Monday pre-qualifier for the Cognizant. Um, Andy, thoughts? I'm just shocked he can afford the entry fee. (laughs) (laughs) I I would say that, that he is the long shot of all long shots. Oh yeah. If he, if he shoots better than 76, I'd be super surprised. Interesting. Trying to see on here where the tournament is. I don't see that. Because it's a pre-qualifier, which our my PGA section down here handles all the pre oh, well, not that one. That falls in South Florida. Section. That's South Florida. You're you're North Florida, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's a, I'm reading here, it says Charlie's holding a plus three handicap. Yeah, and he's dead on. If he should break 76. I mean, Rick Shields might have a better shot at, at getting in <laughs> than Charlie. He is not knocking a, Charlie. He's he's down. He's at a plus three right now. Yeah. Wow. I mean, the kid can shoot. He can break par. I mean, that's that's obvious. But he's never been in that arena before, and you can't prepare for that if you've ne- if you've never been in that. I just. Nota Begay's tournament doesn't qualify is being on the big stage. And and even though the length of the course will be set up and all that stuff is is just more than he's used to. So 
but I'm the, glad that he's dipping his toe in the water. Yeah, I like that, I like that for sure. He's te- he's actually teeing it up with Olin Brown Jr. Oh wow, I know that young man. Ah. Top twenty-five players from the from the four pre-qualifying events will move on to the Monday qualifier. The top four of that event will get move on to the Cognizant, which is held at Lost Lake Golf Club in Hobie Sound. There you go. Lost at Lake. age fifteen, Charlie Woods is the youngest player attempting to make the field. You know when? And, when is that that pre-qualifier? Uh, they're usually on Thursday. I yeah, believe they're usually the week prior during to the tournament. Yeah. So so tomorrow at seven thirty nine a.m. Golf Channel. Brandle Brandle Brandl will be there with uh, Golf Channel, and they'll be uh, live <laughs> live live on the range. The Fallings around. Ladies and gentlemen, the line for over under has been set at seventy six. The betting window is open. Place your bets. Mm. I go five. I go five dollars under. I'm betting a hundred over. Oof. Yeah, I like that. Hundred over. So how's this work? Do I get your hundreds? <laughs> I'm. I'm not. No, you have to. If he goes over, you have to pay two hundred. Right. If he goes. He goes I, under. I don't. I, I don't recall that in the. <laughs> I have to split five dollars. <laughs> Deal. Uh, but yes, yeah, lost Austin Lemieux. I think he had five birdies on the back nine. He was plus. He was thirty. Shot thirty-seven, thirty-two. For a uh, little sixty-six. Good to see. Good to see him. Uh, you know. Little noteworthy professional athlete's son that doesn't have the last name Woods. Yeah. Do you think he'd get a, a sponsor's exemption into anything as a teenager? Charlie? Yeah. I figured that was going to happen. I figured the Genesis was going to give that to him, just like his dad. And Andy's shaking his head because he doesn't agree well, with it. And I'm not sure I agree with it, but I think it will happen because of his star power. I'm shaking my head, not because I don't think it would happen, because it probably will happen. But he is nowhere near as deserving as his father was of that exemption no. at the same age. I mean, like he's there was a scandal at his high school that he made the state championship team of five like they bumped somebody else to put him in so you know he's barely cracking the top five of his high school golf team um granted they have a great golf team but you know it's not like he's anywhere near in the same um kind of level that his father was at this age yeah yeah tiger already had how many juniors at that point Two or um, three. Well, two. He won. He won fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen. Okay. And then I believe eighteen, two. nineteen, and twenty. He won the amateurs. Am. Yep. Yep. And then, hello world. <laughs> Which was the same day I moved to Orlando. 
remember watching that when I had unpacking my suitcase. Hello world. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. And then jars it at the Phoenix, right? Was yeah, that that was the next week, right? Or no? I thought he teed it up at Milwaukee. Yes. I think was... Milwaukee was his first event. Phoenix was the next spring. Right. Right. And that set number 16 into motion. We didn't uh Brendan again. You uh you were on assignment for your other activities last week. Would you like to weigh in before we go to final thoughts? Uh weigh in on the 16th hole and the Phoenix. What what a shit show. I mean I, I, I love the concept. I love the whole concept. I think more golf courses or more tournaments on tour should have that playful type atmosphere, but it has to remain respectful. And that was that was a, an abomination of what a golf event should be. I mean, and I'm not I'm not prude. I'm not I'm not getting too old to, you know, kind of see where the bros are those types of fans of golf that was just way over the top and the who is it the thunderbirds or the is the group that kind of runs that event they should be ashamed of themselves and in fact the tour should have some kind of there should be some kind of recourse for for what happened and to make sure that it doesn't happen again next year I don't, and I, I don't, I did listen to the show, but I don't remember. I know Christian was pretty heated about it, but it Very. seems like the overall consensus from everybody is that it was a shit show. Yeah. I mean, like Mike Aldrich, I don't know if you saw this. Our buddy Mike was posting that basically they, didn't follow their own policy by, you know, their, their alcohol service mm -hmm. kind of policies. They just ignored. And um, it's just like we said this last week, we can't have nice things. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it just turns into something that goes from being nice and fun to something that's just kind of ridiculous. You and I both know that whether it's in the Min Minwoo uh, chef hats or the space outfits or whatever other crazy ones that we saw, you and I both know they got fireball uh, shot bottles being snuck in, and it's not even just the beer sales. It's all the other stuff. It's 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 being hammered in line at 3 o'clock in the morning when they open the gates for the big run. Yep. And it's it is it's gotten out of control, and I think somebody's. I mean, how many how many times do we need to see video footage? And I'm not I'm not a prude either. Um, how many times do you need to see vi video footage of somebody being fireman carried out of the out of the tournament or falling down and not being able to stand up on a muddy hill? I do think it's it's a hundred percent awesome though. The balance people have <laughs> they're just absolutely. <laughs> Where guys are doing a complete backbend. There's, like, there's that dude on his phone. Yeah. I mean, he's like, yeah. I mean, his back is like this. I mean, it's unbelievable. Did you see the one with the guy and his buddy standing on 18 when, uh, when they, well, who won? T uh, Taylor was making yeah. the, the yeah. final putt. Yeah, that's that the was guy hysterical. 
that was the first one that I really laughed at. The guy that felt like kind of wandered down the hill. That was funny too. But some of them were frightening. Like the guy with the fireman carry, I was like, God, that guy is he may be dead. Have alcohol poisoning or something. Yeah. I could be on the verge of being dead. Yeah. Some of the stuff was scary. Yep, no doubt. All right. Winding up, want to give a, a shout out. We think we got him next week. Is who who do we who's Joe Hallett. Joe yeah. Hallett. The uh PGA's teacher of the year for this year. Uh I've known Joe for a long time. Super Super guy. He was actually taught in this area uh, where I live, a course called uh, Red Tail Golf Club. And he was with MB Park when she was going to high school here locally, um, her and her sister. So, um, yeah, Joe's a great guy and he'll be a great guest next week. Looking forward to that. Andy, 18th green. Let's get it done. What you got? All right. So we're going to talk a little bit about Jordan. Um you know, this whole scorecard thing. And it it's just seems so nonsensical, the penalty for signing an incorrect scorecard. And, you know, I'm sure there, there, as it appears, there were other factors that led to him rushing through the process, right? But at the end of the day, it's a stupid rule. Yes. I mean, it's nothing to do with the game. Technology has the the ability to to be the the be-all end-all governance of scorekeeping so why why lay that on the player's shoulders and there's one little other piece of this that's a little bothersome right and tom kim was his scorekeeper that day and i heard today that as they walked in the scores tent they had a blank scorecard for Jordan. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, to yeah. me, that, that's as, as big a part of what happened as Jordan leaving, signing the wrong card. So, I just think that the bigger part of the conversation is it's a, it's a completely unnecessary rule that gives the player zero advantage or disadvantage and should not be part of of you know what's considered when people and to uh to uh you know get through the the scorecard part of the end of a round of golf b so my final thought um is as you guys know my my wife's father passed away uh, almost two weeks ago and um, one of the things that's, that's really come to light for me personally is the relationships. We talk about relationships all the time through the game of golf. And, you know, the, the kids that I teach, I don't teach a lot of kids by design now. Um, so I can have really strong relationships with them. And when you had uh, Brian and uh, uh, who else was on? Yeah, yeah. They, they, spoke so eloquently about the the fact of how you teach kids and the relationship factor. And when I'm going through something like this with my family, when my wife's going through some of these kids that I teach, don't even know my wife, but the relationships that I have with them all because of golf, and it goes well beyond me instructing them and being more of a coach and a mentor to them. I was just blown away of how respectful 
how they were of the situation we're going through. And when kids pick up this game, it's great to pick up a game and be good at it and maybe get get a college scholarship to play the game. But it teaches so much more. And when situations like that happen, it really makes me proud to do what I do for a living um, and really focus on these kids because it's not just about hitting a golf ball. Great point. Absolutely. I'm reminded of, uh, I could, God, I can't, what was his name? The little, the little boy's character in uh, Bagger Vance. Oh, God. It's the greatest game ever played. And it's the greatest game ever played because it teaches you man against man, man against nature, man against himself. It's, it's, golf, look, Artie Grave. I, what yeah. is it? Artie That's Grave. It. That's it. You know, I mentioned, I mentioned, you know, Mario Lemieux earlier. I'm just to expound on your point. I mentioned Mario Lemieux earlier. At every, every point, a great player in another sport is going to hang it up. Golf allows you to continue. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of this sport is we allow it allows us to, you know, our games may dis- disintegrate, but we're allowed to continue to play, which leads me to my final point. It's a little two-parter. Um, apparently, she could see herself at age 26, her game beginning to take on a different shape. Lydia Ko, thinking that her career is towards the back end of it at age 26. Wow. Really? She was just in an interview. But I really wanted to give a shout out. And look. I don't condone what this person I'm going to say is his activities. He served his time, I believe, in given redemption. Angel Cabrera will be turning teeing it up in the, the Morocco Champions Tour event. In preparation, they don't know if he'll be back at Augusta, but it's good to see from a human perspective that, you know, he paid his time and he's getting back out there. And we commend that and we hope and wish him well. At least I do. Yeah. Cheers to that. Cheers. All right, boys. Till next week. You only have one opportunity to sell your golf property. Shouldn't you partner with an expert that offers you 30 plus years of golf industry experience combined with the reach of a global leader in real estate? Collier's International Golf Brokerage and Advisory Services understands your unique business needs. Whether it is brokerage, management, and consulting, be reassured that the market leader in the business of golf is providing you the real answers and practical solutions you deserve. Contact Golf Talk Live co-host and Collier's Golf Advisory Services member, Alan Depew today at 717 554 8519. That's 717 554 8519.